Talk Minnesota to the second hour of the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue. Our bumper music this second hour is Brian Eno. If you don't know Brian Eno, never admit it in public. It's a certified genius, and I use the word guardedly because it's overused. But that's uh, Brian Eno from the album Wrong Way Up with John Cale. We were speaking with Janet Byhofer at the end of the last hour. She gave us a report about the Republican State Executive Committee, and it was encouraging to hear that it was a well-run, productive, informative, and useful meeting. Uh, I've been to more than a few of them, as has Sue. Stan, have you ever been to one? No. We need to punish you someday. Okay. Okay, I'm up for a punishment. I'm a glutton for punishment, actually. Well, if you work for Sue, just kidding, Sue. (laughs) Um, It it is good to hear that uh, they have it together. And so kudos to the Republican officers. Um, David Pascal is the deputy deputy chair. Uh, Jennifer Carnahan, the chair. Uh, Matthew Pagano, the executive director. Barb Sutter, uh, the secretary. And I think heading up communications is my former colleague at Alpha News, uh, Priya Samsundar. So, yay, team. Uh, it's very important that we win. It's very important that we win the governorship. It may seem self-evident, but I don't know if we are going to. Myself, I think the opponent on the DFL side will be Tim Walls, and I think he's formidable. And I think he is, unfortunately, in some ways, more attuned to the zeitgeist I think he understands very well just how close and why Donald Trump almost won Minnesota in 2016 and will, after he gets the endorsement, the old pivot to the center, I think he could uh, he could do that successfully. So even though it seems like there's a lot of things moving on the right side of the aisle for the good guys, for conservatives, uh, I no longer think of myself as a Republican. I haven't for some time. I think of myself as a conservative with a small c. Uh, and the a ripple effect from Donald Trump being elected president uh, is ongoing. It shows no sign of abating. I don't know at this juncture who the Democrats could possibly run that would beat him in 2020. Who's going to win Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania? Um, and I know that they're, believe it or not, they're intending to win Minnesota next time. Part of what Janet was talking about was the RNC investment. And uh, that's being headed up by Kevin Poindexter. He doesn't like to be talked about much. Makes him sound nefarious. He's not. He's actually talent. And some, some good talent is coming back into the state. And, and that's a good thing. Because for too long, some of our most talented people had to go elsewhere. You think of the under 35 crowd and, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities if you actually want to win, if you want to think outside the proverbial box, if you want to actually do something once you get into office. Speaking of, you know, the Republicans controlling the Minnesota House and the Senate gave us a 10% increase in government spending. What do you say to that? We've met the enemy, and it is us, apparently. So I don't, I don't understand if that mindset can change sufficiently among the gubernatorial candidates to take advantage of the moment. But that's certainly my hope. Whoever our nominee is, I'm supporting and I'm voting for. 
And I asked that of Republicans in Minnesota when it came to Trump. Some could do it, some couldn't. Uh, but it was very important nationally. It's equally important on the state level. And Lawrence, if you'd like to call back in, there was a caller that uh, Stan said wanted to talk about light rail and some other local issues. And if he's interested in that, then there are probably other listeners who would enjoy that as well. I don't know about other guest hosts, but I think of my substituting for Sue as sort of taking her audience you know, taking care of her audience for a period of time until she can get back. Uh, they don't tune in for me. They tune in for Sue. It's a credit to her. She's had this uh, radio show for a number of years, and I think it's the best conservative radio in the state. I'm biased. I'm guest hosting. But uh, I always learn something when I do dial in to Sue. She has a very good understanding of what's going on around the state. And when I first got involved in politics, I would listen to Sue, and she would tell me what's going on in southern Minnesota or northwest Minnesota, um, central Minnesota. It's it's so important, if, I think, especially, I live in St. Paul, especially for Republicans in the Twin Cities to get a sense of what's going on in the rest of the state. Uh, it's a great state, and the further away I get from the Twin Cities sometimes, the more I like Minnesota. Uh, it's one of those sorts of things. Um I, I wanted to close off on, on Trump. Uh, I don't want to belabor Trump uh, for two hours, uh, but are you not entertained? I'm entertained. Uh, I wrote something for Jake Duesenberg's nonprofit uh, organization, Action for Liberty. Uh, he's asked me to write for their publication. It publishes four times a year. It's not online. So what I did was I put my... Uh, debut piece on my blog minnesotaconservatives.org and it's called Trump and the Transfiguration of American Politics uh, I wrote it at the end of September that was the deadline for the magazine a couple of references are dated from there but I think it's a good piece I'm not much for self-promotion either I could never be a used car salesman Howard Root said you're not a salesman well, guilty um, and I, I think it's a good take and you can certainly let me know in the comment section uh, what you think. I see that we have Lawrence. He's back in. He'd like to talk about uh, light rail transit and health care. Two great topics. Lawrence, welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. Hi. Uh, two quick points. You bet. Uh, the second being the financials that uh, you spoke to. Um, just as a tip, uh, check out C-SPAN on Thanksgiving Day late morning. There was a debate up in Canada where the question on the table was, the United States is in trouble and Trump is the problem. And 67% of the people polled, these are all Canadians, agreed with the debate question. At the end of the debate that featured E.J. Dion and Chip, not Chip O'Neill, uh, Newt Gingrich, huh. the audience actually flipped uh, in uh, against the motion. But anyway, that's... Fascinating. Thank you. And that was C-SPAN from the Thursday of Thanksgiving itself, Lawrence? Thanksgiving. Great. Yep. Great. Thank you for that. So here's the real reason I talked. Um, I'm going to talk about some major initiatives that have taken place in the state over the past eight years and, and talk about the um, overspending that has happened. Um, Minsure, from what I can piece together, 175 to $200 million over budget. Southwest Light Rail Transit, definitely about $200 million over budget. Uh, even the Viking Stadium, I think, was about $10 million over budget. Now we've got uh, the state driver's license, which they're going to pay about $30 million to cover, I haven't been able to track how much over budget they are. Mm -hmm. But if the Republican Party in the upcoming election don't point out to the incompetence 
of the leadership in place today mm-hmm. in terms of having these altruistic ideas, as long as the purse strings are left wide open, they're missing a great opportunity. Because I think this is absolutely ridiculous to have initiative after initiative after initiative promised one thing and then going deep into our pocketbooks when the reality hits, hits home. So just something to think about. I'm on my bicycle enjoying the day. I'm about an hour from home, so I'm going to enjoy the rest of your program. Well, that's great. Thank you very much for calling in, Lawrence. Uh, bike safely. Those drivers are crazy. And I think he makes an excellent point, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and if you would like to call in, the number is 651-989-5855. 651-989-5855. Uh, to Lawrence's point that we have manifest incompetence, we have enormous overages uh, in the areas that he identified, and it behooves us to go on the offense. And you you do that, it seems to me, in two ways, probably more. Um, And one is by simply making it a theme, uh, making sure people don't forget this next year. And then number two, hanging that around the progressive liberals in Minnesota. This This is their idea of government. This is their idea of what should happen to healthcare. You know, um, or probably other things as well, and so it's it's really one of those things that don't come along all the time, and if you miss it, you won't get another chance. Uh, we're coming up on another break here in a little bit. Um, my taskmaster Stan tells me we'll have Julie Quist on to talk about a number of. Uh, cultural issues, free speech, Trump and social issues. I asked her to come on because I always enjoy her perspective. Uh, she's with the Child Protection League. They do yeoman's work in trying to push back against really the pathologizing of our culture. Um, the, the person is always to be respected. The person always has dignity, and there is never any license to be mean or to discriminate. But a man in a dress is not a woman. He's a man, and I'm not a bigot for saying that. My friend Mary Franzen got in trouble for tweeting that. It was vicious. I wrote about that in alphanewsmn.com. Go to the homepage and look at the top for commentary. This is, again, pattern recognition. Political correctness is a war on noticing. And the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is if we don't start saying this, then anything will go. You're starting to see pedophilia being, quote, normalized. You can't make it up. It makes you sick to your stomach. But that's exactly how it happens. So you can do it in a spirit of compassion and courtesy. You're talking about issues. You're talking about social and cultural matters. You're not trying to be mean to an individual person. If if that person's feelings get hurt, then so be it. That's not the intent. You, You wish them the best, probably a mental disorder, as Mary Franson said, and it should not be incumbent on us to go down and down and down in the cultural decline. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Welcome back to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore. Stan, you're uh, you're coming in on those songs a little late. 
Well, I can uh, start yeah. it from the beginning. Yeah. I thought maybe you yeah. wanted some of the lyrics. No. So you need to be direct with me. Well, I, I follow directions well sometimes. I see there's a taser button on, on the Ooh, desk here. Don't hit that. Yeah, no, it's not a rape room. It's a taser button. <laughs> um, that's uh, Brian Eno. I, I'm just giving Stan Poggle, the producer, a hard time. Great guy. With me now is uh, Julie Quist calling in to talk about uh, free speech and President Trump, social media. And I'll just leave it at that and we will we'll pursue it further. Julie, welcome to the Sue Jeffer Show. Hi, John. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm pleased that uh, you were able to make it today. What did you want to talk about first, Julie? Well, I just wanted to uh, point out that uh, it was not that long ago that um, we posted something on our Facebook page that had a, a, um, a picture of some protesters that were protesting against free speech. And they were, and there's this big banner that they were holding that said, it's not about free speech, it's about bigotry and normalizing hatred. It's just this big banner, and it was this, uh, they were, uh, they were protesting free speech. And, and, um, and, and so what the point of the article was, uh, was that, um, in, that, um, you know, closing down free speech closes down conversations that people can have and in between friends and mutual respect and, um, and it's about closing, it, it, it's like con- taking control over personal relationships mm-hmm. and, um, it's crushing people's ability. Uh, you know, when you're talking about free speech, you're really talking about, um, thought control. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, closing down, you know, thinking, controlling your, your people's thoughts. And the interesting thing is, um, I call it, we call it coercive thought reform. We had somebody in speaking about that uh, a couple months ago. But anyway, um, so there was a woman who responded to that, uh, and she was defending this. And, and, and she said that, um, you know, this, this happens because you people – you deviate from social norms of respect and, 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 and so it's, it's appropriate to say things that, um, you know, like it, it's about hatred. You're, you're about hatred. So you, you don't have the right to say these things because they're hateful. So she was really, um, outwardly, overtly, uh, defending that. And I, I thought, you know, man, <laughs> this is really pretty amazing. Um, and then that, it brought to mind to me that um, in St. Paul, um, they uh, there was a, a lawsuit that, that was brought against Nova Academy because they weren't implementing the LGBT agenda, the transgender agenda. Uh, agenda Julie, could enough. you, and, Julie, Julie, could you tell our listeners what Nova Academy is? Okay, Nova Academy is a charter school in St. Paul, and. Um, they uh, they had some controversy uh, a year year and a half ago uh, over a kindergarten um, student that that, that uh, the parents said was transgender and and so they kindergarten they tried very hard to, kindergarten um, Julie what's that? kindergarten yes kindergarten G- give me an age yes, give me an age and it, of Get, course it was Julie. all this child doing it Julie Julie <laughs> Julie Julie hello. Give me an age. How old was this child? Oh, I think five. Oh, uh, that's obscene. That's child abuse, and it's objectively wrong, morally wrong, objectively wrong. Right. Well, right. go ahead. Okay, well, in the end, uh, the parents are Dave Edwards, uh, the, the father is Dave Edwards, who's one of the most um, 
radical leftist um, promoters of the transgender um, uh, um, agenda in in Minnesota. He comes. He's a he's a social justice warrior coming from Chicago. If that tells you anything, it tells you everything. And he he filed a um, a lawsuit against Nova Academy because they wouldn't cooperate with him quickly enough. Uh, and by cooperate, that means um, you know transform what they teach and what they believe and and put in a whole agenda of that gender is fluid if there are no such things as as uh you know boy and girl it's all fluid now and they weren't they were a little resistant to that no too slow to cooperate so he filed a lawsuit against them and the settlement terms and they did settle and of course it's always the um insurance company lawyers that do the um the defending, and they always want to settle. And these are the settlement terms, and there are a number of them. I won't go through all of them, but one of them that was most striking to me is that um, NOVA, uh, when they have public comments at their board meetings, that public comments must not be discriminatory in nature. And the board chair, I'm quoting now, the board chair has the authority to stop any comments that violate Nova's policy or are discriminatory. And so here the school agrees um, through its attorney that it won't allow things that they don't approve of. Julie, an Julie, example of that, Julie um, yeah, who, who does this apply to? This applies to public meeting of the school board and any other meetings that the school has with anyone they can close down but it binds i'm sorry to interrupt it binds the school board members or if you were no no the public it 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 it, 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 they think it's binding on people who attend school board meetings yes and they have put the onus on the board uh the school board to shut down that speech that's right well that's textbook that's textbook um, fascism to close down any public comments that are considered discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think we all know what discriminatory means. It means anything that uh, goes against the, in this case, uh, the, the transgender people's idea of what's right. true. Right, right. Yeah, discrimination um, now means opinions that I disagree with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and see, I... This actually is a settlement. Now, it is on appeal because somebody, I know, uh, did, you know, challenge it and take, take it to appeal. But the fact is that this was actually an agreed to settlement between the school, which is the insurance company's, their insurance company's lawyers. Right. And Dave Edwards. So he got a financial, um, you know, um, settlement as well. And I can't recall exactly what that is. But, um, and this is because simply because the school would not agree immediately to um, to teach the students from kindergarten through 12th grade that gender is now um, fluid. It mm-hmm. is not fixed. Mm-hmm. You don't know whether you're a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And that they had to teach this through the kinds of literature that they were giving them and all sorts of other things. And Good the Lord. in the end, caved. But it took them a little too long, and so he took them to court. So the whole idea was to take them to court. So my whole point here is that this is really a quite a dangerous situation we are in. Yes. Uh, when the public schools, now now this um, 
it's a settlement, but because it is within the St. Paul School District, right? Um, unless it's challenged, right? That basically sets the ground rules no, that's right. for that's, all of St. Paul, and schools. that's and that's by design as well. Um, yeah. Julie, is there more information about this on the Child Protection League website? Yeah, it would be um, childprotectionleague.com. Dot com. I know you wanted to talk briefly, and we're, we've got about two more minutes left, I think. Um, President Trump this week, I guess it was this week. I mean, you just, <laughs> I could take another <laughs> week unpacking this week, but then I've missed the current week. It's <laughs> life at the speed of Trump. Uh, President Trump retweeted three tweets from uh, an activist in the United Kingdom, uh, whose organization is Britain First, and it shows videos of, in one, uh, immigrant, young immigrant men beating uh, a young Dutch boy who's on crutches. Um, yeah. Another showed uh, an imam of, of some sort destroying a statue of the Virgin Mary. And I forget what the third was. The reaction was hysterical and unhinged, and I noticed that uh, I'm on Facebook now uh, because Laura Hemler forced me to, and I hate her for it because I hate Facebook. I really do. I don't hate people usually, but it's, it's it's not anything I'm good at, and I don't like talking to people on Facebook. And and there you have it. But I can throw things up and run away. And I posted um, a comment from the United Kingdom that said, throughout England, which means outside of Londonistan, people were delighted that finally someone spoke honestly about the problems with Muslim immigration into the United Kingdom, especially the Pakistanis. Um, listeners, if you want to have your hair fall out, Google Rotherham, R-O-T-H-E-R-H-A-M, Rotherham. It's a city in the United Kingdom where 1,400 young girls were groomed and raped by Pakistani sex gangs, and it was not shut down. It was allowed to continue because the authorities were afraid of being called racist. And they will sacrifice our children, Julie, whether it's Nova Academy, whether it's the Mandarins in the United Kingdom destroying their own culture by flooding it with people who have no incentive and no desire to join it, who ghettoize themselves. Tomorrow I'm writing about Ilhan Omar and Linda Sarsour, uh, at alphanewsmn.com before I leave the country. And the Minnesota media have a blackout on Linda Sarsour. Uh, the only equivalent I could give listeners is David Duke, but infinitely worse. And uh, Ilhan Omar is palling around and taking selfies with Linda Sarsour. And it has to be called out. These These sort of things are given cover by our cultural elites and silence uh, by the media. And so I think, Julie, and as you well know, in Canada, if your children, if your little boy says, I'm a girl, and you stand in the way of that, quote, transition, the state can take the children away from you. You, 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 you can't make it up. This, this isn't like some Philip K. Dick dystopian novel. It's, it's the reality that they are implementing. People like Julie Quist, others at the Child Protection League, get enormous grief and abuse, shamefully so. For simply speaking the truth. They never right. go after the person. They never condemn the person. They, Most of them come from a Christian background with compassion and charity and love. But they say ultimately, no. And that's what they can't stand, Julie Quist. Right. And I, I just want to emphasize, I think, how important it is for people to speak. Because that example of when, when President Trump retweeted those three tweets, he did more there than uh, than has been done, you know, before on this. Because That's right. He, he gave legitimacy to 
the truth. The yep. truth is these are things that are actually happening, and we have to say them, and we have to not be silenced because if we're silenced, we go into a cold thought control mode. That's right. And that's what's happening to our kids. Exactly. Well, Julie, thank you for calling in. I'm up against uh, the break at the bottom of the hour, but childprotectionleague.com and thank you for calling the Sue Jeffers thank show. You. This is Twin thank Cities you. News Talk AM 1130 and twincitiesnewstalk.com. For the last half hour of the Sue Jeffers Show, I'm John Gilmore sitting in for Our Lady of the Airwaves. Thank you, Sue. We were speaking before the break with Julie Quist of the Child Protection League, uh, trying to get across to our, our listeners that there is a very easy approach to talking about what is an intentionally made to be a difficult topic, and that is transgender people. Uh, where has this come from? Uh, it's been rather astonishing how quickly it has become upon us. Uh, there are now two transgender individuals who were elected to the Minneapolis uh, City Council. God love them, but I don't have to accept the premise that their identity is fluid, that their gender can be one thing one day and something else another day. I don't have to. I don't have to participate in that. I don't, and neither should you. And you can do that in a humane, civilized way. And that's what the left wants to do is to say, you can't critique those people. You can't critique that phenomenon, really, is what we're, we're discussing. The, the individuals, in a weird, counterintuitive, paradoxical way, the, the individuals are almost beside the point. We're, we're talking about a belief system that says, uh, despite what your chromosomes are, you can be something biologically uh, different. And I know the, the canard is their sex and their gender. Uh, sex is synonymous with gender. Gender is synonymous with sex. That's what they try to do. They, they try to uh, divorce gender from sex. And if they're successful, then you're sort of sunk because that's why they're doing it is to shift the topic to a different terrain, one that is favorable to this ideology. And it is an ideology. And it's part of a long history of destroying the traditional family, not just in America. Uh, Heather has two mommies, et cetera, et cetera. Again, you don't have to discriminate against the people. You, it's not a matter of uh, attacking them or harming them in any way or, or harassing them. That's, that's the veneer uh, that the left would like to put on us. And, and we can dodge that very easily by simply declining to engage in the, the behavior that they say is part and parcel of a belief that the transgender phenomenon is is dangerous, it's diluted, and it's harmful. Uh, they don't want to talk about the suicide rates of post-surgically post-trans people. It's very high. Um, it's a very difficult issue because they're so effective at messaging, but it can be done. And I think Julie Quest was right in saying we simply have to have the courage of our convictions. We have to be confident. We have to be kind and loving. And we have to know that we're, that we're right 
at the end of the day because we are defending the traditional family and that is under siege across the board throughout the globe, some countries worse than others. And uh, this is just the latest manifestation, I think, of the traditional two-parent family, which is the best institution ever created in human history for raising healthy, strong boys and girls who turn into loving men and women and not these terrible people that we see who exploit others and are getting caught up in the sexual harassment tsunami. I think Ann Coulter, I don't know if she invented it, but with respect to that, they, they called it, uh, the hashtag was pervnado, which made me laugh. It's a great country, and uh, I don't know what I'd do if Twitter didn't exist. I'm not sure I would. I wanted to get to a couple of things before we finish here. Uh, time flies. And I had spoken earlier about the tax bill that passed in the Senate overnight, 51 to 49. Um, it's an important win uh, on a number of levels, but what's so interesting is that the provisions in the tax bill will prevent people from deducting their state and local taxes. You get a $10,000 deduction. Uh, so your property tax can be deducted and some other things, up to 10000 That's going to cover the vast majority of Americans. But what it isn't going to do is allow people in very high-tax blue states to get away with the rest of the country subsidizing their ridiculous tax policies. What's the downside in voting for these tax policies when people who would otherwise bear the brunt of those policies can shift the cost to the United States writ large? Uh, Governor uh, Cuomo of New York said that uh, he felt, is it Governor Cuomo? Stan, who's the governor of New York? You're not there. Wake up, Stan. Um, anyway, the, it is, um, it's not Chris Cuomo. Anyway, I'm having a, a blank here. The The current governor of, of New York said that the state would fall apart if this passed in the tax bill. Now, that's quite an indictment of your own um, policies that are dependent on others throughout the country. And uh, Stuart Rothenberg, who's a political commentator of sorts, uh, a leftist, uh, tweeted something earlier, and I thought it was revealing um, just how extreme it was. He tweeted, this tax bill is the coalition of restoration, taking aim at the coalition of transformation. In different ways, it targets urban residents, blue states, college and grad students, millennials, all groups central to the Democrat coalition. It's an enemies list as much as a revenue bill. Well, Mr. Rothenberg, your rules, your rules. You want to weaponize everything? Well, karma's a bitch, and so is payback. I have absolutely no problem defending the tax bill. I have absolutely no problem righting previous wrongs. I am unapologetic in wanting payback. When we had to live through somebody like Lois Lerner, denying all of these tax-exempt status to different groups because of their politics, which she didn't like, when they could have been most effective, circa 2010? No. If you want to weaponize various areas of the government 
you cannot complain when you lose power, and the other side does that. And I don't want to hear from Republicans. There's too many of them in Minnesota. Did I say that we've not won statewide elections in 11 years? There's too many Republicans in Minnesota who will say, oh, we shouldn't be like them. No, no, no. Tit for tat. Tit for tat. Because that's the only thing they understand. We win, and the first thing out of their mouths is you have to reach across the aisle. They never say that when they win. And we don't even say it because we know it's preposterous and they wouldn't do it. So the the simple-minded, sappy Republican who is sort of goo-goo government and thinks of it as, you know, more or less a career option. I want to go into politics and government as a career option. Why is that? Because I couldn't cut it in the private sector. That's probably true, but guess what? The results are still the same given your performance in those areas of politics and government. And all of that is changing. All of it is changing. And as one example, I don't know how listeners feel about Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. I'm a lawyer by training. I followed him for a number of years, and I have a lot of respect for the man given his fights for the First Amendment over the years. Way in the weeds, you really would have had to have made a point of following him on that issue, but I did, and he's rock solid. He understands everything that's at stake when it comes to these First Amendment battles. So, yes, I wish he was less swampy, and um, it's irritating that he is tougher on Roy Moore than he is on his colleague Al Franken. But Senator McConnell recently said he was supporting the Raise Act. That is legislation introduced in the Senate by Sonny Perdue and Tom Cotton. And Tom Cotton, there was an article by, I don't know if it was Ryan Lisa uh, or someone at the New Yorker, maybe New York Magazine. Is Tom Cotton the future of Trumpism? I sure hope so. I sure hope so, because you know what? It works. He gets it. He's unafraid. He's intelligent, but he knows how to message. He's not foolhardy, but he's also not timid. And that is something that we could, you know, we could use. Um, we've got a couple of uh, Andrew Cuomo is the governor of New York. If I ever look up at the uh, phone board, I can find marvels. Um, Stan, was Kevin on first? He wants to talk about not having to change his values. What's that? Let's oh, OK. The break. Well, you know what? We're going to take a break from the Sue Jeffers show with John Gilmore as substitute guest host. You're listening to Twin Cities News Talk. AM 1130, com. Welcome back. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore, finishing up a two-hour guest substitution for Sue. Sue will be back. Is she back next week, Stan, or is it the week after? I don't know your schedule with the sports. I believe she'll be back next week. Excellent. Next week. Well, I'll listen to the podcast in Mother India while I'm eating doses and Italy's and Vada's and Sambar and Rossum's. And you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? No, I have no, no idea. So tasty. I like burgers and yeah, I, that's, and whatever. And... Yep. Uh, me too. I like pizza. Um, yeah, whatever, whatever you like. Um, I'm a vegetarian, but I really hate preaching moralistic vegetarians and, uh, Vegans should be killed with a small caliber <laughs> bullet uh, to Ooh, the head. Watch it. 
Yeah, I know. I'm advocating violence. It's it's a metaphor, people. I've got two people that I'd like to get to who have uh, been kind enough to call in. The first is Kevin. Welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show, Kevin. Thank you for taking my call. You're doing a good job today. I agree with you. My, my views are conservative uh, as far as the party goes, and I'm not going to waver on those. Um, you were talking about the IRS. I think that they should get rid of the IRS simply because you made the point that it's been used as a political tool to smash the other side. I, 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 I would agree, but in fact, don't you think we have to have some revenue raised nationally for, you know, national defense and so on? How would that work? How about a flat tax at 10%? There's a lot of people who support the flat tax, and I'm wondering if we won't see people, uh, more people support that in the coming years, Kevin. I know that that has been um, highlighted in this recent discussion with the Senate tax bill. Do you think that could ever happen? Don't know. I know we got too many weak Republicans, um, and I think we need to replace some of them. Sure. Um, you were talking about Islam, and you were talking about um, you were talking about people being arrested. There were, I was watching YouTube, and there was a guy from England, and he was he had a megaphone, and he was on the steps in one of the big cities in England. I think you might have you might have mentioned it, and he was preaching. He was telling the people, warning them about Islam and how dangerous it is. And the constables came and they arrested him. What right. these constables don't understand is their lives are in danger. If you go back and look at the military man that was in a band, he, the North African Muslims, ran into him, ran into him with a vehicle, mm -hmm. and then they proceeded to carve him up to pieces. Mm -hmm. And this, this is what's going to happen to those. I mean, look at Europe right now. It's a basket case. You yeah. can't, if, you, if you're not vetting those people... I mean, what a disaster that is. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you're right, Kevin. The the person that you're referring to might be, I don't know, uh, Tommy Robinson, who's been persecuted by the state. He has a book called Enemy of the State. Uh, I think his most recent book is called uh, Muhammad's Quran or something like that. But it's Tommy Robinson. You can get him on Amazon. Um, the, the enemy of the state isn't particularly well written, I'm sorry to say, and it doesn't really translate to an American audience because he's talking about a lot of things in the weeds. But he's been a very brave man. He's not a hater. He's simply pointing out the truth, and that's what you're saying. You point out the realities and the downsides, and weirdly, the conversation gets flipped to it being all about you and your bigotry when it's nothing further from, from the truth. And there's nothing more dangerous than political correctness. I, good could, work. I couldn't, you. thank you, Kevin. I couldn't agree more. Political correctness is extremely dangerous. We've got Paul on the line who would like to talk about the tax bill and certain exemptions. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for calling into the Sue Jeffers show. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I wanted to talk about the tax bill that got passed last night. Uh, my, question is, and I think it exists in both the House and Senate, uh, or statements, is that uh, the standard deductions are going to be such for married and single couples that most people will no longer have to itemize. Right. And as a result, they'll be able to file a short form, which is the postcard both have been talking about. Mm -hmm. And that, to me is really a good thing. I, I think you're right. Uh, and on top of that, they're going to then lower the rates. They haven't fixed the rates because there's differences as to how many levels. So even if you have income after that, you're going to face a lower rate. So the argument about 
you know, taxes, state taxes, medical, really doesn't kick in for most people. Correct. That's correct. Uh, I'm glad. Uh, the other thing I would wanted to mention is the uh, Senate included the repeal of the mandate, meaning yeah. people, if that goes through, because Obamacare was considered a tax by the Supreme Court. Right. That means the uh, mandate repeal leaves people open to buy insurance, not specifically Obamacare formatted insurance on the market. Correct. That's right. Paul, do you happen to know off the top of your head if that uh, mandate repeal was in the House version? I'm thinking that it wasn't. I simply haven't had time to Google. It wouldn't be difficult to find. But I think we're paying attention to it in the Senate because it isn't in the House version. Do I have that right? You have that right. Okay. But, uh, Speaker of the House and uh, the head of the people that I've been able to hear on the House side mm-hmm. have said they would endorse putting it in the House side of the bill when it goes to conference, which should start on Monday. Right. Right. So, uh, what you to me what what you see out there is a lot of rhetoric uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense because the Dems have been pushing for so long to try and prevent it from being passed. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed at least on Twitter and in uh, the broader media world, the leftists were rather happy about Michael Flynn, General Flynn, pleading uh, guilty to lying to the FBI, goes nowhere, has nothing to do with Trump, there's no collusion, et cetera, et cetera. And they were all happy, happy about that. And that smile didn't last particularly long on their face because here comes the tax bill. That's going to have real consequences. It's going to have continuing consequences. Paul, what do you think? If if this economy is roaring by 2020, and I have no reason to think that it won't be, who, who's going to swap out a president that brings the economy and prosperity back? Why would you switch teams? You know, it's James Carville. It's the economy, stupid, right? Yeah, I don't think this is – I think – it, you know, you can always say it's a struggle for power, but I think this election year, because of what happened under the Obama administration in the last two years, the level of corruption of our federal enforcement, right? like the, those elements of the DOJ and mm-hmm. the FBI. Yep. Yeah, no, there's a there's been a lot of rot under um, Obama, and we're just starting to uncover it. Paul, I'd like to thank you for calling in. We're we're winding up the show. Um, thanks very much for that phone call, Paul, um, and for Kevin. It's it's great when people call in. Uh, it gives me an idea of what uh, Sue's audience is interested in in listening. I I wanted to raise quickly before we close out the show, ladies and gentlemen. Congressman Jason Lewis was on Almanac Friday night, and he gave a sterling performance. Um, You can find it on the uh, TPT website or just Google it with Almanac. And he got a lot of the usual questions. Um, I like Eric S. and Kathy Worser personally. I think they ask uh, fine questions. But he knew what was coming at him. But it was just a superb performance about the taxes and the, the issues related to the tax bill in the Senate, um, about moving ahead with continuing resolutions so the government doesn't shut down, also with uh, respect to the sexual harassment uh, tsunami uh, that's going through America at all levels of our culture. So I just wanted to recommend that to you because Jason Lewis shows how that 
how he shows us how you can message effectively. I'd like to thank Stan Poggle, my producer, and I'd like to thank Sue Jeffers, my favorite Supreme Court named plaintiff. I've been um, honored to substitute for Sue before, and this this uh, episode has been particularly enjoyable. Best wishes to everyone in Minnesota for a happy December. I'll be around the far away in the other side of the world, but I'm just as I'm as available as Twitter. John Gilmore for Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.